Well, tonight we study, we continue our study. We started last week in the book of 1 Peter. And there is an outline there on the WhatsApp if you'd like to follow on. We looked at Peter's autograph. Uh, we looked at his background. We looked at his conversion. We looked at the, the change of his name and his commission. In fact, he had two commissions. One, one commission was there in Matthew 4, verse 19, where the Lord initially called him and other disciples. And then the next one was after he had for, forsaken the Lord and uh, cock crowed and he was out fishing again. And the Lord in John 21 recommissioned, as it were, his, uh, Peter to his ministry. But the Lord knew that Peter was going to be the person he was in doing the things that he did do, and we'll be looking at those this evening, some of his ministry. Um, <clears throat> we looked at his apostleship. He was a leader of the apostles. He was um, one of the apostles. He wasn't the apostle. <laughs> um, he is an apostle, and that doesn't make him like he's the head or the pope or anything like that. Um, his denial of the Lord was a very low point in his life. And that time when the Lord looked at him after he denied him the th three times, and that look must have pierced right through Peter. And he went out and he said, it says he wept bitterly. Now we come to his ministry. Before we look at these new areas under a piece Peter's apostleship and his ministry, let us pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word. And thank you for this man, Peter great example of the faith, one who was bold as a lion. When, Lord, you indwelt him by the Spirit of God, there was no holding him back. Very forthright and very pointed. Though still yet a sinner, saved by the grace of God, as we all. I pray that we would be encouraged as we look at some of his ministries tonight and some other things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> his ministry. At the end of the gospel records, Peter was at a very low ebb. And we, at times, maybe have been there. We know what it's like to fail the Lord, to um, grieve the Holy Spirit of God, to quench the Spirit of God, and to feel like what is a sense in trying to minister if this is the way I go. Well, that's where he was at the end of the, the gospels. But things changed. Things changed in the book of Acts. And let's notice some of the early ministries and ministries of Peter that we have a record of. If you'd like to turn with me to the book of Acts and chapter 1, book of Acts chapter 1 and verse 15, we have this record. And in those days, <clears throat> Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of the names together was about 120. Men and brethren, this scripture must be, needs be fulfilled, which was, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spoke before concerning Judas, who was gu guided to them that took Jesus. And so here we find him in his first act of ministry to be the moderator of replacing Judas. And that goes on through the remainder of chapter 1. And so he stepped up to the plate and he became the moderator and led the people in electing someone to replace Judas. 
in Acts chapter 2 and verse 14. <clears throat> we have there after Pentecost had just happened and people from all different places around the globe at the time from the known world were there and they heard the disciples speaking in their own tongue and they could understand them said these people are drunk what's going on but Peter in verse 14 of chapter 2 standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice and said unto them ye men of Judah and all that dwell in Jerusalem be this known unto you and hearken to my words and so he launched into his first sermon there the delivery of the first sermon and uh, spoke of the Lord Jesus eloquently and convicted those that were there in verse 37 of that chapter it says now when they heard this they were pricked to the heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do and Peter said unto them boldly he said repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and for and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Um, <clears throat> save yourself from this untoward generation. And they gladly received his word. And there were about 3,000 souls saved that day. That time of his first sermon as he boldly stood up. And so what a different Peter it was to where later in the Gospel of John there he said, I go fishing. Let's go back to our old trade. No, here he was in the ministry launching out into the deep as it were to speak up for the Lord <clears throat> in chapter 3 of the book of Acts and verse 12 we read this and this is Peter's second sermon he just uh, healed a man uh, who stood up leaping up and stood and walked and entered with them into the temple a lame man that was seated there all his life and he was raised and people wow what's with these fellas <laughs> It's almost like they were worshipping them as a god. And Peter said, no, not by our power we did this, by the power of the Lord Jesus. And so by our own power, he said in verse 12, or holiness, we had made this man walk. No, it's the God of Abraham who delivered him from his bondage. And so he launched into his second sermon and gave leadership here. He acted, as some say, as an apologist. He was... A, he was giving a defense of the faith. He was giving an answer for the reason of the hope that was in him, as he says in um, Peter, in the epistles of Peter. And so he gave his second sermon there, <clears throat> and boldly, as you read on into chapter 4, many of them that heard believed in verse 4, and the number of men were about 5,000, 3,000, 5,000. Wouldn't it be great to see that happening these days? But it did there in the early church, church just beginning. And verse 8, Peter filled with the Holy Ghost said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, <clears throat> whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. Now this is a bold statement before the religious leaders and all these people gathered together. He must have been loud. He was preaching to at least 5,000 plus people at that time. All the others that didn't believe were there too. And <clears throat> he come up with that famous text that we often quote and, 
Acts 4, 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now when he saw, they saw the boldness of Peter and John, the religious leaders, saw this, and perceived they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marvelled and took knowledge of them that they'd been with Jesus. <laughs> what a statement. When you've been with Jesus, you're bold. When you've been with the Lord Jesus in your private life, then you can come out speaking the truth and encouraging people to turn in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so these are two or three of the ministries. Let's look at a fourth of the ministry ministries of Peter in the early chapters of Acts. We go to chapter 5 now. Uh, <clears throat> they'd, um, the widows and poorer people have been neglected in the daily ministration of their needs being met as many sold all they had and gave it to the apostles and so but some people say oh, that's what we should do today well oh yeah once everyone sold everything you'll spend it all then where well <clears throat> this was something they were excited about their faith they were giving to the lord uh, they they thought the lord was coming soon and god used this because if they hadn't done what they did do when they all got kicked out of Jerusalem, they would have got nothing for their property. It would have been confiscated. And so the Lord used this to meet the needs of the early church. And, and these, these two people, Ananias and Sapphira, man and wife, who sold a property and uh, they, they, they agreed to lie to say we've given it all to the Lord. And they'd kept back part of it. And, the, and Peter boldly said there in verse 3 of chapter 5, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not thine own? After, and after it was sold, was it not thine own in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Thou hast not lied to men, but unto God. And Peter was sorting out a real problem and has set a precedent for the rest of the New Testament that we should not lie to the Holy Ghost. And if, <clears throat> look, property ownership, it's yours. But if you have said you've given it all, give it all. If you say you're going to give half, give half. While it was your own, it was your own. Yeah, it was not a problem, but it's when you lie to the Holy Spirit. You've got a problem. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down, gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. Hey, if this sort of thing started happening in today, hey, things haven't changed, but if this happened, how different we might be in our giving, in our giving of ourselves, in our giving of our means, in our giving into ministry of the Lord, that we don't mess with the Lord. He is serious. And so <clears throat> we have here... And another, the, the fourth part of Peter's ministry after Pentecost, right around that time, in his second sermon. And then his delivery of this um, the judgment to these two people and their wife turned up and she also died because she had agreed with her husband to lie to the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 34, we read this. And Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter, of persons. This is where the Lord called Peter to go down to Cornelius's house, a Gentile, and share with him the gospel. And in, but in every nation, and that's why Peter said he's not a, God is not a respecter of persons. He's ministering. He's taking the message to the Gentiles. But in every nation, 
He that feareth him worketh righteousness, is accepted with him. And uh, <clears throat> he spoke down in verse 39 of chapter 10, And when we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree, when him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto the witnesses chosen before by God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. We spoke a bit about that on Sunday. And he commanded to preach the gospel, the gospel unto the people <clears throat> and to testify that it is he who is ordained by God to be judge of the quick and the dead. And to him gave all the prophets witness that the, through his name, whosoever believeth in him should receive remission of sins. And so here's Peter taking the gospel to the Gentiles after he is questioned about this and you know, what's going on. And he said, they received the Holy Spirit as we received the Holy Spirit. They are just as Christian as we are. The, the, this new thing, the church that has just begun is not just restricted to the Jews. The Jews' mindset was, was so um, ingrained in them over the hundreds of years, yeah, thousands, that they were the people of God and that was it. And nobody else was, but here things were changing. And uh, Peter was ministering to them. He stepped up to the plate to do that. What a difference it made when Peter had the, the fullness of the Spirit of God there. <clears throat> he was recognised as having the gospel of the circumcision particularly. And this is mentioned in the book of Galatians chapter 2 and verse 7 where we read, But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision, uncircumcision was committed unto me, that's Paul, and the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. So as it was given to Paul to go out to the Gentiles, it was given to Peter particularly to go to the, to the circumcised, the Jewish people. He also ministered, as we just noticed, to Cornelius, who was a Gentile. And God was working effectually through Peter and through Paul. Same church, ministering in different ways to different people and their customs. And so <clears throat> God was using him there to minister. And we can say also that he was a writer of two epistles, first and second Peter, that we have that we're looking at now. Thinking of the date of the writing of Peter, if you go to chapter 5 of 1 Peter and verse 13, we read there, The church that is in Babylon, elected with together with you, saluteth you, and so doth Mark my son. <laughs> Peter spoke of his readers here and the people that he was with. He spoke of this epistle being from Babylon. Now, if you look at Babylon, it's right down there in the, Persia, in the Gulf. And um, <clears throat> the location of this Babylon is sometimes under question. Is it the literal city that we just referred to? Or is it the one referred to in the book of Revelation chapter 17? The Roman Catholics would like to say that Peter was the first pope and that he was up there at Rome. Well, if they want to take that on board, they need to take Revelation 17 on board as well because it's there it talks about this Babylon being destroyed and uh, decimated, that the king of the earth, the Antichrist, will utterly destroy it later in history before the Lord comes in his glory. 
And so you can't have it both ways. And I don't think it's that anyway. I believe it's referring to literal Babylon, the town of Babylon down there in the Gulf. And it indicates that by the literal reading of that. And it's said that this epistle was written about 63 AD. It's about 30 years after the church had started. And it's determined by the fact that Nero's large-scale persecution of the church in 64 AD um, was, hadn't come and did come at that time, but it was just before that, and there was a build-up to it. And as you read Peter, you get the, the background, and it, that's why it's important to look at the, at a time in the introduction of Peter, because fit it where it is. Find where Peter's at. See what history, what's happening in history at that time. And uh, in 70 AD, we know that um, Jerusalem was destroyed. These people, Peter included, is up there at Babylon and he's ministering from there. <clears throat> and it's seven years before the destruction of Jerusalem. So he's addressing these people that uh, we're going to list in a moment. But two persons of interest are given in verse 13 of First Peter 5. The churches at Babylon elect with you saluteth you, and so does Mark, my son. Greet ye one another with a holy kiss. Um, <clears throat> so there's a church there, and Mark, my son. And back in verse 12, but Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you. And Silvanus is Silas. So Silas and Mark are greeted as Peter's companions on this occasion. And it was probably Silas who carried the epistle. He was probably also the scribe and carried it to those that were scattered abroad as it's addressed to them. He might have actually wrote the words as Peter directed by the Spirit of God, was inspired by the Spirit of God, and uh, Silas may have penned this down. Mark, a spiritual son, I, I believe, of the Apostle Peter. And so <clears throat> there you have the, his ministry and the date of his writing. We just go into Peter's audience for a moment. And I think we can, we can feel like we fit in here too. As you go back to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. We're not moving far, but we're introducing things. <clears throat> to the strangers scattered abroad through Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. So Peter spoke to the readers as strangers scattered throughout these provinces. And if you look in your Bible, Mac, back of your Bible, most have them there in the back of the Bible. Most Bibles have them. <clears throat> You'll find that this is present-day Turkey. Turkey got the gospel. It was spread right throughout there. Mostly forbidden today. They like people to come over, Christians to come over and look at the sights. Something else is also centered in Turkey. There's another Bible <clears throat> book that talks much about towns that are in Turkey and that's the book of Revelation in chapter 2 and 3 it talks to seven churches there that were in that place and they're more on the east uh, sorry the western side of Turkey these that are mentioned here is all over present day Turkey now what does the word strangers mean what does it indicate in the context here see Peter was down in Babylon 
and, and, and Babylon was 1,300 to 1,600 kilometers away. So when Silas took this letter, he had to go a long way on foot to, to take this letter to those who were scattered abroad, who were strangers. Well, what do strangers mean? It means they were aliens. They were temporary residents in these places. In this particular instance, the word refers to Jewish believers who would settle amongst those who were foreign to them in a foreign land the Jewish people had settled. <clears throat> Peter used the word again in chapter 2 and verse 11 of 1 Peter as a reminder that all believers in one, in one sense are strangers and pilgrims as well. But these were strangers over there. They were scattered abroad. And if you read in the book of Acts, about the persecution of Stephen, the stoning of Stephen, many were scattered abroad. You see, they could go other places in the known world then and they could be amongst their people because there were Jewish people already scattered around. There were synagogues. As you read that Paul went to different synagogues in different towns around the world that Jews had established before these scattered Jews went there. So they would have a place to go to when they went to these places. But they were strangers in these places. They weren't speaking the language necessarily of those places. Um, <clears throat> and so those scattered may have been scattered for business opportunities prior to the persecution about Stephen. They may have been scattered there because of the persecution that followed Pentecost and Stephen's stoning there. But <clears throat> these people also may have been ones that we're at Pentecost too, because many were gathered at Pentecost and some of these same names that you find here in First Peter are the ones that were listening to Peter in his first sermon after the day, well, at the day of Pentecost. Uh, and you can, you can compare which ones were there. So some of them went back, <clears throat> had become Christians at Pentecost, went back to their, their um, places they lived in, where they had been, maybe on business or setting up establishments of Jewish centres there. And so <clears throat> we see this Peter's audience, strangers scattered. Let's think of that for a moment. <laughs> we are strangers. We are pilgrims in this world. We are strangers to unsaved people. They don't understand how we think. <laughs> they don't understand why we think and say and do what we do do. And in... First Peter chapter 2, verse 11, <coughs> it said there, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from all the fleshly lusts which war against the soul. <clears throat> That's for us. Now, yes, he's talking to those scattered abroad, but he's also speaking down the generations to us. When you become a Christian, when you trust the Lord Jesus Christ, you change your allegiance. As Ephesians chapter 2 says, we're, we're all children of the devil. When we become Christians, we're children of God. We not only change the, our loyalty from Satan to the Lord Jesus Christ, but we also change our, our destiny is changed, our citizenship is changed. We, are, we can say, even if we only have Australian citizenship, we are dual citizens. We're citizens first of heaven and secondly of earth. And the earthly one will give up in a moment in the twinkling of an eye one day. 
or we'll be raised from the dead and we'll, get, and we'll have this heavenly citizenship. <clears throat> There's an old song we used to sing in chorus at camp. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. And we need to treat it like that. It, it tells us in the book of Colossians, we are to set our affections on things above. It tells us in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, and I think um, might have been Tony referring to it in the last Sunday school, the adult Sunday school class there. <clears throat> you know, lay up treasures in heaven. You, 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 you can't be governed by mammon and money and by the Lord. It's either one or the other. You can't have two masters, it says there. <clears throat> and we need to recognise that we're strangers and pilgrims down here. And we need to put the emphasis where the importance is. The importance is our Christian life. The importance is eternity, not the temporal. The things of this world as a Christian should, should, to us should grow strangely dim in the light of the Lord's glory and grace. In Philippians, and I'll turn to this one in the book of Philippians, chapter 3 and verse 20. We read this. But our conversation is in heaven, from which also we look for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our conversation, and that can be our citizenship, is in heaven. It, it, it's told us that the Lord's gone in to heaven and in John 14 to prepare a place for those that believe on him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so our conversation, our citizenship is in heaven. When Christians get together, we don't talk about the weather, we don't talk about our possessions. That might be lightly talked about. <coughs> but we do, or should, talk about the Lord Jesus Christ and going to heaven. I've been talking to quite a few people and quite a few pastors in the last few weeks. And boy, are they looking up. <laughs> they know that it's not far away that we'll be there in heaven with all the saints of all the, the age, well, not all the ages, but the age of the church, will be there with all the citizens collected together when the Lord has finished his church, when the fullness of the Gentiles have come in, will be there. Right now we are ambassadors for heaven. We represent heaven because that's where our citizenship is. We talk about heaven. We fellowship around about what heaven's going to be like and other things of the Christian faith. Yes, pilgrims, just passing through. John's Gospel, and we must be finished in a moment, but in John's Gospel, chapter 17. We'll go to 15 first. John's Gospel, 15, <clears throat> and verse 18 and 19. We read this. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me, said the Lord Jesus, before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of this world, no, we're citizens of heaven. Because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember these things, said the Lord Jesus. Yep, our citizenship is in heaven. We're ambassadors for this <coughs> new destiny we have we are strangers we are told in Luke fourteen twenty six to take up our cross and follow him heading toward heaven 
strangers and pilgrims. Wonderful thought that we are. And as I said before, it's there in Philippians 3 and verse 20. A new citizenship. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 12 to and 19, it calls us peculiar people. We're different. We're different and we should be different to the world around us. They'll think it odd. They'll think it strange that you run not with them, as Paul said, to the same excess of riot that they used to. I say <clears throat> that excess has calmed down a little bit with all the restrictions we have in the world. A lot of things have turned off. Pubs have been closed. Excess of riot. They sound now that's happening in the home. Domestic violence is on the increase. Sad that people can't control themselves. And so <clears throat> we are strangers and pilgrims. And remember that. We're not setting our affections down here. We're setting them on things above. In Hebrews, and this is the last reference we'll go to in Hebrews chapter 11. The other one was in John 17, 16. We didn't go to, but in Hebrews 11 and verse 13. We read from verse 13 to verse 16. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. It's talking about the heroes of the faith in chapter 11 of Hebrews. And they confessed they were strangers and pilgrims. They saw afar off the things of eternity. And if you're a Christian, that's where your focus should be. That's where your eternal citizenship is. You're just a stranger down here. They make the best of being a stranger in a foreign country to tell the <clears throat> people that are still alienated from God by their wicked works that the Lord Jesus has died for their sin. He's paid the price if they will but believe, if they will but obey the gospel and become Christians. What great hope there is for the Christian. We look forward to that day when we're with him and with all those that believe.